on your PC, iPod or smartphone. This is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the 10th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we catch up with AFL Ontario League Best and Ferrest, Nicola Kerwin. Sanford Women's Grand Final Best on Ground, Sophie Lee. Claremont Women's Football Club President, Amanda Robertson. Glasgow Sharks Captain, Stacey Hughes. And Queensland Women's Footy Guru, Aaron Russell. All of that coming up on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Peter Holden and welcome to the 10th episode of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. And a quick reminder, you can listen to this podcast's radio version on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne on Wednesday evenings from about quarter past six. Or, of course, you can download the podcast from Thursday mornings via iTunes or SoundCloud. Just search for Girls Play Footy. And don't forget, for all the latest women's footy news from the AFLW, state leagues, and right across the world, go to girlsplayfooty.com. And talking about going right across the world, let's go to the other side of the planet, North America, and let's head up to Toronto, where there's the AFL Ontario competition. Now, they have got there the Kangaroos, the Tigers, the Demons, and the Blues, a four-team women's competition there and I've got on the line the league best and fairest from the I hope I pronounced this correctly the Etipico Kangaroos I've got Nicola Kerwin on the line Nicola thank you very much for joining us here at girlsplayfooty.com and like we ask everyone who isn't an Aussie how did you come across Aussie rules football um well I think I, I uh, came over to uh, Canada for four years ago and I started to um, need to find my social networking uh, group of people. So I, I started to play some Gaelic, and it was true that um, after the first uh, two seasons with Gaelic, um, I was involved in a tournament in Abu Dhabi in the World Games, and a couple of our, our teammates were actually on the national team for Canada. Um, I was involved in a bit of a collision with one of the girls in the final, and um, my teammates, that's when they realized, yes, I need to start playing the Aussie rules. There was a bit of a fight in me. Um, so, yeah, so I got involved through Gaelic, and I've uh, played two seasons with Etobicoke Kangaroos. Um, my first season was a bit of a blur. I didn't know what was happening. We were running around the field, um, so it was a lot of, lot of challenges. But last season was absolutely fantastic, and uh, we've, we've grown the sport pretty well. Um, so, yeah, lots of exciting times ahead. And, of course, as you said, you were originally from Ireland. What part, and did you originally play Gaelic back home? Yeah, I, I play Gaelic like, like most of us. I come from a, a small town that wouldn't be really known for the GAA. So I played up to about the age of 15. Um, I focus a lot more on athletics and basketball going through um, secondary school and university. So I did have that background in me um, up to the age of about 15. But as I said, I came from um, a small town that wasn't known for the GAA. So it was a little bit laughable if I was playing, unfortunately. Um, but now they're doing a lot better. But um, yeah, I have that bit of background in Gaelic. So a lot of transferable skills, which is it's great for footy. Do you recall your first footy training session? Yeah, um, it was an indoor session um, that we had about, literally about two years ago in April. And uh, one of our teammates had said, you know, this is our coach, this is Greg Everett, he's going to teach you everything you need to know. And I was like, okay, who's this Aussie? What's going on? Um, like, like she said, he taught me everything I know, so I have a lot to thank for him. But our first training session, we're lining up. He's like, okay, this is what we do for tackling. I was like, what? There's tackling in this game? So um, I do remember very well. I walked away that day um, going home to watch lots of videos to find out what I'm getting myself involved in. Um, so, yeah, some some great memories. What have you found so far is probably the most difficult thing to learn or master in the game? 
Um, I think it's it's kind of knowing if you're to step into different positions, how to help each other out. Um, you know, I, I have a quite strong uh, personality or leadership uh, skills on the team, so I find a lot of time players would look up to myself um, for some advice, and at the same time, I'm like, wait, this is my second year playing. I'm, I'm new too. Um, so it's, it's trying to get involved and, and learning as much as you can and be able to pass that knowledge on. Um, luckily, we've had the uh, AFLW um, to be able to watch over and over again, so that has been fantastic. You know, I feel like I'm ready to go take a specky any day now um, after watching the likes of Aaron Phillips. So, yeah, I think it's just about learning as much as we can in the short space of time um, and being able to transfer those skills um, onto the field. Now, we've been talking about uh, some of the other international players about the, the game being streamed AFLW online. What does it mean, particularly in Canada, where just by luck, some of the morning or early afternoon games for the women are being shown uh, in prime time, which I'm saying Friday night, Saturday night uh, in North America? Yeah, that, that was that was great for us. We were able to get some of our, our provincial, um, after our provincial training, we would head off together and watch some of the games together so it, it was it was great I found myself last Friday night not knowing what to do um, because I would normally have my schedule to watch some of the live footy um, it was fantastic as well that we were able to see um, teammate uh, Haley Trevine step in on round 7 uh, you know we're messaging her constantly um, coming from Etobicoke Kangaroos and watching her live on TV I was out of, I was crazy out of this world we actually had our our um, a recruitment session um, that night and then we were able to make sure we escaped home early to make sure we watched our teammates play on TV. And what was Haley's time like back at uh, the Etobicoke Kangaroos? How long ago was that? Yeah, so I, I started playing in 2015 and that was her last season before she went back to um, Australia. So I believe she had two or three seasons um, with Etobicoke Kangaroos. Um, yeah, it was... It was fantastic. She she is such a, a strong player up in the forward line. You know, I would play in the rock or in the mids, and you know, I'd give a, um, a kick into Haley, and you, you don't you, you don't even have to look what's happening next. You know what she's going to do. Um, she reads the ball very well, and she's a very strong physical player, and was just able to to put the the boot on the, um, the foot on the boot, and just the ball was was going straight to goal every time um, so she's just a strong player such great confidence as well and she was able to um, get around her teammates every time so she taught us a lot and um, she's continuously growing she, our club is extremely proud of her um, you know she had to battle a lot of, of challenges coming into the season but playing with her was, was fantastic and I'm constantly messaging her and all she wants to know is when I'm coming over when am I coming over is that something you can leverage on, that um, a, a player from Canada, as much as Kendra Hall has been um, drafted by Collingwood, um, of course, unfortunately, she's been injured. Hopefully, she'll be back in 2018. And Hayley, although being an Aussie, because she played in Canada, you're able to say, this is one of our players. Have you been able to use that? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the pathway that um, Greg Everett and Jason Arnold created in terms of uh, club level, we now have a provincial level, and now on to national, they've created a really good um, uh, national program that we definitely are all part of, and we can all say, yes, uh, Haley is one of ours, um, for sure. She she played in um, the, provinci- uh, the Parallel Cup, so she played in the Parallel Cup for the Lights team uh, for Canada, so... We definitely um, are very proud of her and going through this um, system that um, our head coach and assistant coach have been able to create. For yourself personally, what do you felt clicked last year to go from being a rookie in 2015 to being the league best and fairest in 2016? Yeah, um, crazy, crazy times. It, it was, I guess my first year, as I said, it was a bit of a blur. It was a lot of learning. 
Um, and then in the last year, I just played, I was able to gain a lot of confidence and understand the game a little bit more. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can get best and fairest or whatever. That's that's fine. You know, I, I am, I'm extremely proud of that. But it's that wouldn't be possible without my teammates or without the coaches behind me. So um, I don't really look at individual titles too much. It's what we can achieve as a team. Um, for us to go back-to-back um, AFL uh, Ontario flag winners was a fantastic achievement, especially considering 2016 we had lost um, about 10 players from the previous year. So although we went back-to-back, we saw a lot of new players come in. Um, and that can be quite challenging is to have the turnover of, of new bodies coming in um, and trying to keep that standard very high. And to give uh, those back in Australia an idea of the competition, uh, how much players are we roughly talking per club out of the four teams? I believe there's uh, also the Hamilton Wildcats, the Central Blues and the High Park Demons. Yeah, so we have four teams in the league and we, we generally play 12 aside um, on 120 metres length of field, so a little bit shorter than the men. Uh, we play each other three times and then into the finals. So we're looking at about approximately 70 to 80 players in our league, in our women's league. Um, for across the four teams. Um, but as I said, uh, last year we saw a turnover of about 10 uh, girls. This year we're looking at maybe losing about five or six girls. So it's continuously turnover. It would be fantastic if we're able to maintain those 70, 80 girls every single year and build on for that. But, you know, in just this climate, it's just not um, achievable, unfortunately. As you said, back-to-back premiers, what do you put the success down to, despite having to turn over at least 10 players, that you're able to keep that winning formula at the Kangaroos? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a lot of drive and passion that some of the girls have. So we were able to great, create um, a bit of a structure with a hope kind of uh, leadership group um, and know what, what drives us to succeed. But a lot of it will go down to our, our coaching um, Greg Everett, absolutely fantastic guy who has uh, put his heart and soul into us. Um, you know, everyone's there on a volunteer basis, but um, Greg Everett, he's marking out the fields every single uh, weekend for the games. He's cutting the grass as well as spending his time um, coaching us. So I think the coaching um, has been very successful for us. Um, although last year, um, Greg was away himself. Um, at, he's um, a triathlon athlete, so he had a lot of international competitions last year. So even last year was very very challenging as we we got some support from um, the men's team but we were really coaching ourselves um, so yeah it was a lot to learn last year but I think as I said it's the main hope of we get that five or six girls um, who are really passionate about the, about the team and what we can do pushing forward we have some girls um, one of our girls she's um, only 18 but she's been playing for no joke for six years um, so she, you know to have an 18 year old who's already got six years experience is, is amazing Indeed it is particularly those outside of Australia because virtually junior leagues are almost non-existent Yeah, yeah so we have um, one of our um, so Greg Everett was our co-founder along with um, Emil Studham so Emil um, has his own program over here it's X Movement which he goes out to schools and teaches some of the Australian sports so from that we've been able to catch um, a couple of girls even in secondary school and bring them through um, into our system. So we've been very lucky that way and what um, outside supports has been able to pump girls through to us. How about for yourself personally also uh, having to prepare for IC17 uh, in August in Melbourne? Uh, what's your training load been like as we're building up to that competition, which is now just four months away? I know, it's, it's, it's crazy. I look at my watch and I have a countdown. Our training camp is in 33 days. Um, so yeah, it's it's 
it's, it's great. Uh, we Canada is a large country. We kind of break up into east and west. So we have eastern and western camps happening um, at the start of May. Um, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot happening, but we're very accountable for what we want to achieve. Although we don't see each other, our social media is constantly uh, pumping what, what we're doing for training wise. Um, yeah, I'm always been a competitive player personally, so to get up at you know five thirty, six thirty in the morning. Although it's very hard when it's, there's snow on the ground and you have to get there to get to the pool or get to the gym, um, I'm always being kind of an internal, um, internally motivated. So it, it, it's great. It's great to, to be age, age 29 and have something that is continuously motivating me to compete at a national level. It's, it's fantastic opportunities. Um, so with our, with our national team, we also have a development squad. So not just the, the 30 that are training for the for the um, IC, we also have a tournament happening in London um, and some of our players will be heading over that. So we have a huge, huge um, training group across the country, about 50 to 60 players who are playing nationally. So we're constantly driving and supporting each other to see what we can achieve. And, and the turnover again for IC, um, we have nine rookies in our squad, um, me being one of them. We've had maybe four or five who have put on the lights jersey before um, for the Parallel Cup and then I guess we have maybe about 15 maybe returning if that from the previous IC4 team so there's a lot of turnover there but we're very determined um, to succeed we will quietly work away while other um, other national teams are hitting up the um, social networks a little bit more we'll keep quiet we'll tinker along here um, it's easy going into a season hunting but now we're being hunted as the, the reigning champion so we'll quietly um do our work and put our heads down and we'll we'll turn up in Melbourne. And for you personally, is it your first time to Australia? Yeah, yeah. So um, my first time to Australia, so I actually have a friend who's going to fly in from Ireland. I have a friend that's current going to fly across. So um, it's very exciting. I've been uh, very lucky to get a lot of uh, financial support from friends and family to help me make this trip happen as it's um, very costly. Um, but I'm very excited. not looking forward to the long flight because if I was based in Ireland, I'd be flying uh, one direction, but because I'm in Canada, I'm flying the other direction. So um, it's going to be a long time to get there, but it's all going to be worth it. Well, we certainly look forward to you arriving in August to take part in IC17 as part of the Northern Lights. But personally, at the moment, you've got the uh, Kangaroos to worry about and the AFL Ontario Premiership. Just quickly, when is the season due to start for uh, 2017 in Ontario? Yeah, so we do to start generally after May to four weekends. So it'll be towards the end of June, uh, or sorry, the start of June that we'll be kicking off. So after the girls come back in um, good shape after London. So yeah, not too long away. Um, we're still recruiting for players. We we have about uh, 14, 15 at the moment. So we, we look to have a panel of about 18 girls to make sure the season um, kicks off nice and smoothly as we have a lot of a lot of events happening in the summer, so if uh, if anyone is, is listening and is looking for something to do in Toronto, um, come check us out at tobacocangaroos.com or you can find us on our social media, uh, Kangaroos, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, we're all there. Nicola, thank you very much for your time and we wish you all the very best throughout the 2017 AFL Ontario season and of course when you come down to Melbourne in August to play in the 2017 AFL International Cup as uh, Canada Northern Lights go on to try and defend their title.
best wishes. Now time to come back home and focus on the inaugural Sanford Women's Grand Final that was played last week and North Adelaide finished as minor premiers on top of the table but they couldn't get the job done in the Grand Final. The second place Norwood Redlegs got them in the end by 27 points with a runaway final quarter 9-11-65 defeating North Adelaide 6-2 38 and one of the star players on that day was Sophie Lee she was awarded best on ground 23 disposals two goals and it's great to have her on the line Sophie what a weekend it was for you because if I'm correct you had your birthday on Friday and of course you backed it up with a premiership and a grand final best on ground on the Saturday yeah that's it busy weekend and what a game it was for Norwood let's just flash back to that uh, for yourself 23 disposals two goals yep yep that's it yeah we uh it was a great game by all the girls, and um, luckily we came out with a win. What was the feeling like going into the game? Because um, you've been one and one each with North Adelaide. You beat each other uh, once. Um, you were second on the table, so you're the underdogs going in. What was the mindset in the rooms before running out there? I think, yeah, you're right, we had played them before, and in one game we'd done really well, and the other we'd, we hadn't done so well. So I think we were, we were trying to work out beforehand uh, the right strategy to go into this game, and coaches worked really hard on that and I think um, luckily it paid off for us this time the kind of approach we went for it but yeah um, we were definitely definitely had to look into how they played and look into how we played and focus on what our strengths were and what their weaknesses were and try and go with that. And what was being said by, say, Beck McMahon and, uh, and the other leaders out there on the ground when um, Norwood had a little bit of a, pardon me, North Adelaide had a little bit of a run early and they got an early two-goal lead? They did. They um, they got started well and the momentum um, was definitely in their favourite to start the game. Um, I think uh, all the girls just um, really focused and, and tried to not let that get to us and um, just kind of get on with it and, and get the job done. That was really our mantra for the whole game, to get the job done. Plenty of support uh, around you, including from uh, Mariana Ratchik and uh, Ruth Wallace as well, racking up the disposals. Yes, they've been excellent. It's continually um, performed and, again, yeah, just did great. I think they got a couple of goals each and, yeah, um, improved every week and played a great game. Clearly won the ruck contest as well. The cutting Fitzgerald combination, 54 hitouts between them. That's right, they're excellent. Um, so, such tall girls and, and they do manage to, to use their bodies so well and... Um, get in front and, and win that hit out, which is a massive advantage playing in the midfield. I'm interested to know what was said at three-quarter time in the huddle. You're going into the final quarter. You're up by a goal. At that stage, it was almost level because um, Chloe Shear had kicked two in a row and it seemed like the Roosters all of a sudden had the momentum. What was said heading in for the final 20 minutes? Um, I think we all said, this is it, we've got one opportunity, we've worked hard all season to, uh, to get here, let's not waste this opportunity and let's just do it. Um, Steve, our coach, was always inspirational and Beck, Beck gave us a few words as well and um, yeah, we all came together and, and got it done. And of course yourself winning best on ground, so that means we need to step back a moment. For, for yourself personally, where did your footy career begin? Uh, I've been playing for a few seasons now, so uh, one season with Morfittville Football Club and two with Adelaide Uni. So um, they've been they've been so great. Um, both clubs have learned a lot, and uh, yeah. And how have you felt the um, step up from? Well, Adelaide Uni was in Division Two, then obviously went up to Sawfield Division One, and now going up another gear to play Sandford Women's. That's right. It's, it's fantastic that we can press like this now. Yeah, when I came back up from overseas uh, last year, we, we had Div 2 and all of a sudden we're in Div 1, so it's 
it's great to be able to, there's that scope now for girls to be able to play at any level they kind of want to and, and the professionalism of the game for women's really improving, which is just amazing. And what about you? How did you find the pre-season now under all this professional arrangement and particularly with the Sandville clubs uh, having the access to their resources? It was so good. We had the trainers, we had the physios, we had the doctors out there. Um, everything we needed was at our disposal and, and all were incredible in providing us with all those facilities um, and the people as well. And um, it, it really just, I think the girls loved it. We, we haven't really had that experience um, that kind of professional realm um, with our football before so to, to get that opportunity was just incredible and I think it really um, took everyone's game to the next level it was just amazing And how about for the crowd as well have you ever played in front of an atmosphere like that at Unley Oval? No, never it was it was amazing again to all these people out there supporting both teams and just, just the, the show of um, support for women's sport in general and, and the, the girls playing footy is incredible so it was, yeah, it was great now, in front of that big crowd at Unley Oval as well were the Adelaide Crows players who would have been uh, watching on. Considering you came second in the league best and fairest count and got a best on ground in the grand final, do you dare to dream of a spot on the Crows list? <laughs> it would be amazing to even be considered to play both the Crows. Um, uh, look, I think, I think that's the dream for everyone to eventually play out there. Um, yeah. So what lies ahead for you now post uh, Sanford women's season? Uh, a bit of time off. We've got a month so to kind of recover and rest and then we'll be back playing at the local league. So I'll be back playing with um, Adelaide Uni and, yeah, it'll be great to, to have a couple more months just back with the, the regular girls at, um, at the Blacks and, yeah, see how we go from there. Well, Sophie, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and congratulations again on winning Best on Ground and a Premiership with Norwood. No worries. Thank you very much for having me. A number of state leagues kicked off over the weekend, including the WAWFL, AFL Sydney, and one game at AFL Canberra. For the QWAFL, their games were washed out for round one, postponed to a later date. We'll talk about that a little bit later on in the podcast. But let's focus, first of all, on the Western Australian Women's Football League. And I've got on the line the president of the Claremont Women's Football Club in Amanda Robertson. Amanda, thank you very much for joining us. And how does it feel for you? Last year was pretty tough going in league division where you were winless out of your uh, 15 games, but you've cracked it through in round one this year, getting a uh, big win on the board early. Oh, it's brilliant. It's been fantastic. The energy around the club this um, week has been wonderful, particularly with three wins with our Rogers Cup, our reserves and our league sides, all getting some really convincing wins, which really goes to show the effort the girls have been putting in over the pre-season. And before we obviously focus on that uh, win over the Perth Angels, let's rewind back a bit. Uh, what was the approach coming into this year? Because as we said, it was a pretty tough 2016. What were the things to try and keep the positivity around the club and hope that things would obviously improve for this season? Well, um, we did uh, something slightly differently this year or at the end of last year. We actually started our pre-season back in November, which is the first time we've done that as a club. Um, we set ourselves up quite a lot in terms of our fitness which meant that we could sort of um, go with that sort of as one of our focuses as a club, as a running team. And um, really, that's really obviously helped us with our game on Sunday as we just were able to outrun the Perth Angels, particularly on a 32-degree day. And I guess that that comes along to with the influence of AFLW out there. How's that changed over the years, the influence of the club and, and how you approach things as players? 
Um, I think that AFLW has been absolutely wonderful for women's football. It's really put um, women's football on sort of the map um, nationally. Uh, in terms of our club, we've always really maintained that if we want players who, um, or sorry, if we have players who want to play in AFLW, that we'll support them through. Equally, we'll support players who are there to um, play socially and learn a new sport. Uh, what was really nice on Sunday was we had a girl who played her first senior game in the league, and she's worked all the way through from youth girls, Rogers Cup, reserves, and now it's playing seniors. And she's really hoping to play AFLW one day. And it's been a big progression, hasn't it, for Claremont? Because if I'm correct, I think a couple of years ago you were down in the reserves grade and worked your way up to league. And obviously back in the reserves, you did lose one or two players to other clubs because obviously they wanted the next challenge up. How's it been as a whole club going up to that next level? Um, it's definitely been a challenge, absolutely. A few years ago, we weren't able to field two sides and we had to ask for um, just a reserve side to allow our club to develop and grow. And yeah, as we've already mentioned, we did lose a few players to other clubs. But, you know, we've worked really hard in terms of our recruitment and retention over the few, last few years. And um, I think with our numbers this year, with over 20 new players coming on board, we've really struck you know, a nice balance between experience and new players this year. And I was about to say that with the effect of AFLW and, of course, Fremantle having a women's side uh, in the competition, what has that meant to, for you to be able to not only obviously attract players but also attract uh, volunteers, sponsors, etc.? Um, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, as mentioned, we've already got over 20 new players on our books for seniors and a number of um, new players on our Flora Rogers Cup and our youth girls teams, which is fantastic at both ends. In terms of our volunteers, we've, again, got a number of volunteers this year um, who aren't even playing because they just want to be part of the club, which is fantastic. And that's from our committee right through to our trainers as well as our coaches. In terms of our sponsors, we've got some new sponsors coming on board this year, which is great because they're able to sponsor uniforms, training singlets. So the girls aren't out of pocket because it's quite an expense um, playing each week and paying all your club fees. Just just to give uh, people at home a bit of an idea, what is roughly the type of uh, fees that were paid in the past when obviously you had to pay yearly membership and then obviously match fees and jumpers, etc. on top of that? Yeah, you're looking at a couple of hundred dollars throughout the season um, by the end of it because you've got to pay your insurance, your match fees, your all your uniforms. You're looking at about $500 if you are... Um, going to calculate it all by the end of the season and with our sponsors coming on board it's really really helped in terms of our jumpers training singlets and even just like our weekly players players and coaches awards it's been fantastic now just obviously like here in victoria as happened in uh, wa the uh, wafl clubs moving closer to the wafl clubs and, and more aligned with that and for you mm-hmm. that's seen a name change as well from uh, the piranhas to the tigers Absolutely, yeah. We've um, this year's first time we've played under the Tigers banner, and it was great to get a win. Um, yeah, so we really we see the importance of aligning ourselves with the men's waffle side, just because there's that cl- uh, clear, you know, um, I guess support for both teams and both sides. But also as we transition through into the AFLW, it's really important that both teams, men's and women's, are sort of all on the same page, and I guess have the same focus. Just having a look back to that round one game where you won 15-8-98 over the Perth Angels 4-5-29. Who did you see as the uh, better players in that comprehensive uh, 69-point victory? Well, we had a number of new players um, this um, playing on Sunday. However, uh, you know our usual players of Jasmine Stewart and Chloe Colgate, they definitely stood up and kicked a number of goals for us. But equally, we had some new players in... Um, uh, 
So uh, Philippa um, Harrison, Holly Harrison are two sisters that have come through, as well as Paris Laurie, who's made her debut, and her brother plays for the Claremont Tigers as well. And they actually play in the same number of number 25, which is a great little family story there. Interesting to hear your thoughts on some of the other games as well that were played. Uh, for example, the Peel Thunderbirds, who they've been talking about like a, a, quite a lot of youth girls coming through their system. They've been quite successful at that level. They had a big 55-point uh, win over South Fremantle. Yeah, that was great to see in terms of Peel Thunder um, getting up over South Fremantle. Um, yeah, I think that um, round one really saw the teams and in terms of what they've been working on over pre-season. And it was really um, good to see some of the results because it's, it's nice for clubs to see that all their hard work over the last few months has come to fruition in round one. Indeed, Swan District's having a close uh, win by 11 points over East Fremantle. And the other game, which, wow, that just shocked everyone, that result. Um, West Perth, of course, we're known as uh, the Joondaloo Falcons. Now West Perth, 120-0 to zero over East Perth. We interviewed them last week. We had no idea that was coming. <laughs> That was fantastic, looking at that result. And, you know, West Perth have come a long way. They've also done a merge in the last few years, which has been quite a challenge for them. Um, they've also spent a few years in reserves developing as a side. So this is their first year in league. And it's really good to see, that again, all their hard work, not only in their pre-season, but the last few years, really are showed on, on the weekend. They were able to come away with a massive win. How important has it been this year with the move to nine teams? Because in the past, when it was even down as low as four and five in the league, it was Coastal Titans, Swan District slumping everybody else. How important has it been that other clubs around your level, and that like West Perth were former reserve grades and have come up, same with East Perth and, and uh, obviously over the time uh, the Thunderbirds, how's important to have them around you so therefore you've got more competitive matches more frequently? Oh, I think it's really important. It, it allows for the equality across the competition, both at like league, reserves and the youth girls. It also just shows the strength of the support for women's football across all nine clubs and the willingness for the clubs to put up um, three teams across the board. I, I think that, you know, if a club doesn't um, allow their teams to play at the top level, they're also denying potential AFLW or state girls from really showing that their skill and their um, ability to play. Coming up for this uh, weekend, you have got a game on Sunday 9th of April. It's a big one, East Fremantle Oval. You're taking on last year's runners up the Sharks. Absolutely, yeah. It's going to be a big game. Um, it's always a big game going in with the Sharks. They play with intent, and I really hope that our preseason we're able to be a bit more of a running team and we're able to show them that we've been working hard. They are last year's runners-up, so we can't, you know discredit their efforts and what they've been doing. And they've also got a number of AFLW players who will be coming back into the side. So it'll be a really good game, and I hope it'll be a really fair but hard-fought game. Just before I go, one quick comment as well. I noticed, obviously, that the Swan District's East Fremantle game was streamed online, and it appears that one game each week is going to be streamed uh, live. Uh, for Claremont, do you know what game's coming up yet, or have you crossed fingers and hoping for a particular game that you'll be able to get showcased on the net? Um, I haven't um, been told about which games are being showcased, but what the Wolf will have assured us is that every team will have a game streamed live and and will have equal um, opportunities for our clubs to um, have that sort of media coverage. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the Tigers can get any game streamed. I think that's the most important thing because it's about um, showing the community what women's um, football is all about, but also at different levels and promoting the different clubs. Well, Amanda, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy and we wish your Claremont Tigers all the very best when you take on East Fremantle this Sunday. 
Thank you so much. It was great to have um, have us on board. Thank you so much. Let's have a look at some of the leagues that did get underway for round one action uh, last weekend. First of all, let's head to Canberra. It's, it's a little bit unusual there. Round one technically hasn't kicked off, but there are a couple of games being played before round one for the ADFA. So the Australian Defence Force Academy uh, hosted the Balconan Magpies, and the Magpies runaway winners over the Rams, 91-0. to The Rams have another game on this Saturday, 10 a.m. McPherson Oval when they take on the Riverin Alliance. This is all before round one officially begins uh, for the AFL Canberra competition. Having a look at the AFL Sydney uh, Women's Premier Division, uh, the Southern Power 9-9-63 defeated the UTS Shamrocks 3-1-19. Macquarie University one straight six lost to the Sydney Uni Bombers 9-11-65. The Auburn Penrith Giants five behinds lost to last year's reigning premiers, the Stingrays 16 17 113 and the Western Wall 7749 defeated the Newtown Breakaways 3422. Uh, round two action in that competition. All games on Saturday, the 8th of April at Waverly Oval, 10 a.m. The UTS Shamrocks host the Sydney Uni Bombers. 2 p.m. at Mona Park, the Auburn Penrith Giants host the Western Wolves. And then a double header at Marnie Park. Um, at, at 12 p.m., it's the Newtown Breakaways hosting the Southern Power. And at 4 p.m., it's the Stingrays hosting Macquarie University. You may recall last week uh, we interviewed uh, Steena Nalinda from the Port Melmo Lynx who were taking part in the AFL Europe Champions League, which was like a mini tournament, a round robin of five teams, uh, virtually playing two 10-minute halves, a lightning premiership if you'd like. Uh, the Paris Cockerels were minor premiers uh, after the round robin, but uh, they didn't make it through to the grand final. The Wimbledon Hawks who finished third, and of course the Port Melmo Lynx who finished fourth, both caused upsets and made it through to the grand final where the Wimbledon Hawks defeated Port Melmo by seven points to take out the AFL Europe Champions League. But believe it or not, there is another tournament happening in Europe and it is happening this weekend uh, up in Scotland. Believe it or not, they're playing for the Haggis Cup. And I've got on the line the captain of one of the Scottish teams, the Glasgow Sharks. I have got Stacey Hughes. Stacey, thank you very much for joining us here at Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. Uh, like we ask uh, all non-Aussies, how did you find Aussie rules football? Um, one of the soccer with um, I knew one of the boys that used to run the Glasgow Sharks and she just invited us down and that was about five years ago now and just been loving it ever since. Fantastic to hear. Now, what are the numbers like there at the Glasgow Sharks? Uh, and how did all the women come to find this club and form the Sharks women's team? Um, we've got about between 10 and 15 women down at the Glasgow Sharks just now. Um, the club's grown every year between the men and the women's team. We've got great numbers down altogether. Um, we've grew quite substantially in the last two years because we've had quite a lot of girls come down um, from one of the local rugby teams. Um, we've just got girls getting in touch with the club via Facebook or online and wanting to come down, people getting their friends involved. Um, a couple of years ago we only had four or five girls, so we've kind of doubled our numbers in the last year or so. That is absolutely fantastic to hear that uh, the numbers are going well there. Uh, one thing that we've been asking a, a few players about as well is that um, watchafl.com, of course, was streaming the AFLW games uh, throughout February and March. How much has that been of a help to you to be able to show um, prospective new players this women's AFL competition? Oh, it's been absolutely fantastic, especially for the new girls coming in that have seen the AFL getting chats games. It's women that's playing and seeing the difference between the women's game compared to the men's game. Um, it's been absolutely fantastic being able to pick a player that they see 
that they could play in that position and being able to strike that player for the absolutely awesome for new players to, to have a go in for existing players as well to kind of think well that's what that player's doing that's what I should be doing and helping our existing players improve as well now, of course, uh, the seasons are opposite. We've just had our summer here. You've just had, once again, a very cold winter up there in Scotland. So what has been the yeah. pre-season training been like to warm up for your season, which kicks off around now? And, and how have you got around the uh, uh, wintry conditions there in Scotland? Uh, we, we've done a lot of kind of fitness, um, a lot of our new players on the basic skills, and even taking down existing players, getting some of the, getting the basics right, because once you've got your foundation to go on, you can you can go anywhere with that really. Um, the Glasgow Sharks are training in during the winter, so um, we had to have an all surface pitch so that we're getting good numbers throughout the winter and it's indoors because we don't really take a break. We kind of train nearly 52, 52 weeks a year, so um, we train indoors so that we can keep numbers up. Now, of course, you've got coming up uh, this weekend the Haggis Cup. Can you tell us what that's all about? Um, the Haggis Cup is going to be absolutely awesome this year for the last couple of years. We've only had one women's game, so it's been a one-off game. There's only been two teams entered um, this year. Five women's teams. There's going to be two Scottish teams this year, so it's absolutely fantastic to see two Scottish teams, two Scottish women's teams taking part, two Scottish men's teams. And it's great for the women's game in Scotland that we can have two teams taking part in this this big, massive competition for AFL Scotland. And teams from a broad range of areas, because as you said, you've got the Glasgow Sharks, and then I think there's a Glasgow Giants combined with Wimbledon Hawks team. Uh, Wandsworth Demons are sending two teams, and in between, Nottingham Scorpions are also sending a team. Yeah, it's fantastic. I think the players are coming up, so there's, there's quite a lot of GB players spread throughout them teams, so there's going to be a high quality of players coming up, um, and it's great to see um, the Hawks and the, the Wandsworth Demons coming up from the, uh, the London League, so they'll be quite experienced. For some of them, it'll be their first game, which is absolutely fantastic to be playing a tournament in Scotland with five teams. Their first game for some of the Glasgow Sharks. And for the Sharks, once the Haggis Cup is over, what does the rest of your season look like? How do you get those opportunities to play more games of football? Well, for the Glasgow Sharks, we've actually got a mixed league so within our club, so they'll be getting, getting very quick experience to playing in a mixed team with the men as well. And then we'll be looking for to get some friends on the go with maybe some of the Irish teams, some of the English teams, um, and kind of taking it from there. Um, with Australia coming up this year, obviously, like quite a lot of players are going to Australia, so obviously that's quite a lot of money. Um, a couple of them are playing in the Champions League, which was an absolutely awesome experience, so we'll just have to pick up some friends whenever we can. And as you said, that experience is important for some of your players that are going on to play in the International Cup this year. Uh, already announced on the side, you've got uh, Ali Sutherland, Lou Smith, Melly McDivitt, uh, Carolyn Baker and uh, Caroline Saller. Five representatives already in the team. Fantastic. We've got quite a big representation in the GB already. And there's a couple of us still going for a spot. Myself going down to pieces in a couple of weeks trying to win Australia. But to have five girls, fantastic achievement. That is fantastic, and we obviously hope that they do uh, very well at this uh, International Cup uh, coming up in August. Uh, since I talked about those fly- five players, can you tell us a little bit about what they're like, what their uh, style is like? Let's start off, of course, with uh, Caroline Seller, who, if I'm correct, has been announced vice-captain of the Swans team. Yeah, Caroline is vice-captain of uh, Glasgow Sharks. She's vice-captain of the, G- the GB Swans recently announced. Um, she's a fantastic leader on the park. Um, Play basically any position on the park. Usually plays in the forward line. Can rock. Absolutely smashed it in Amsterdam at the weekend. I think she scored six goals over four games. 
Um, and they were only 10 and a half, so absolutely smashing the goals in as well. Um, she's a very big presence for the GB team. Having a look at some of the other players, um, Melly McDibbitt was uh, uh, just announced uh, a while ago. There was an article on her on the GB Swans uh, website. Can you tell us a bit about her? Yeah, Melly McDibbitt um, would run all day. Played a brilliant tagging role for Scotland and Lisbon at the Euro Cup um, last year. And uh, how about Carolyn Baker? Oh, Carolyn Baker plays in the back line. Um, she's in Dublin just now, so she'll come back and play for the GB Swans. Um, absolute powerhouse in the back line. Um, not, not to be messed with, Caroline. She's extremely strong from a rugby background. Um, she's quite a linchpin for Scotland and will be for GB as well. And finally, the other two players are Lou Smith and Ali Sutherland. Lou Smith and Ali Sutherland had absolutely fantastic competitions for GB Swans um, last year in London in the European Championships and again for Scotland um, and the Euro Cup in Lisbon. Um, Ellie's a midfielder generally, play or plays half, um, half forward. We'd run all day for you as well. She's pretty new to the game. Um, big up to the kind of beginning of last year, but she's absolutely fantastic. And the progress she's made since she took up the game is has been outstanding. Um, Lou Smith, um, from a rugby background as well, so her and CB for them a good partnership in the defence. Well, Stacey, thank you very much for your time, and we wish your team all the very best in the Haggis Cup this weekend. And, of course, we remind uh, everyone, if you happen to have some friends that are over in the UK, that might be British or they might be Aussies, they're over there at the moment on a uh, working holiday visa, uh, and they're up around Scotland and they want to play Aussie rules football, they can go to the website, Glasgow Sharks. .co.uk or find the Glasgow Sharks on Facebook and uh, yeah, play some Aussie rules up in Scotland. Time to come back home and focus on another of the state leagues, the Queensland Women's Australian Football League. Uh, round one games were scheduled for last weekend, but due to heavy rain and obviously some flooding throughout southeast Queensland, on Thursday afternoon the round was called a washout and will be postponed, no doubt, to a later date. So let's focus now on round. Round two, which is, well, technically now the opening round of the league. And I've got on the line Queensland women's footy guru in Aaron Russell. Now, Aaron, for us Victorians, or, you know, the Mexicans who don't know about what's going on up north, can you tell us a little bit about your Queensland footy background? Yeah, look, I uh, the QWFL joined uh, two years ago. Coach Cool and Gatter last couple of years. Um, and uh, did some work with staff in the uh, youth academy and senior um, Academy, which is obviously now made part there of the, the Brisbane Lions side um, in the AFLW. Um, so yeah, so that, that's been my involvement the last two years, and I, I was coaching up north and um, some women's sides prior to to that. Um, so th- this year, taking a bit of a year off, um, just concentrating on, on footy before it's too late, um, and took a job up in in Brisbane. So I've moved up the coast, and I'm, I'm missing it already. I tell you what, but. But um, it's been great watching it all unfold and still staying involved where I can. And obviously you'll know a lot about uh, not only the Brisbane Lions players, but those that are obviously pushing on the edges to try and get into the competition. Before we focus on that in, in particular, uh, round one, of course, was a washout due to uh, the heavy rains that followed uh, Cyclone Debbie. Bit of the old cricketer's curse, always having round one washed out. Um, so, so how are the players feeling at the moment, considering that, you know, in a typical sense, you'd be all G'd up, ready for game one, your first game for the year for premiership points, and then that letdown of, oops, you're not running out in the park, got to wait a week later. Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, it's, it, it is, isn't it? Round one, you're mi- missing out on round one. But I think, I think as Queenslanders, we kind of become a little bit accustomed to that. Um, you know, it's typical at this time of year um, that we get a lot of heavy rains and, you know, even 
cyclones, which is what's brought on this flooding um, that, that sort of caused the washout around last week. But, um, you know, so I think people are pretty used to it and they generally, the, the, the AFLQ generally puts in for a, and prepares for a washout round. So um, it's nothing that we, that we are not used to, but boy, it's, it, it is, it is you're, all, you, you're six months away from round one and, and it's what everyone's looking forward to. And then, um, alas, not to be. Let's have a look at this uh, round two of competition. Uh, first of all, a couple of sides looking to climb back up the ladder. Uh, Corporu is uh, hosting Wilston Grange, 4.45 on Saturday. Yeah, yeah, uh, it should be, should be a good game. Um, I, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of, a lot of things that, that have changed, um, player, player personnel, and there's probably even a few, uh, particularly some interstate girls um, that have made part of the Lions squad. Um, unsure where they'll end up, and I don't know if some of their, some of those aren't even sure exactly where they'll end up yet. Um, if they'll stay, if they'll go back to Melbourne, um, or go back to Tassie, go back to WA. Um, from reports, I'd say there's quite a few of those staying, and possibly one or two maybe going back to their previous state. So a lot can depend on, I think, where those girls end up, to be honest. Um, I think Cooper have recruited really well. Um, uh, from yeah, from what I'm feeling, I think they're going to they have the tools um, and the, and the coaching staff in place to be able to push themselves up to being a powerhouse again. UQ Red Lions are playing host to Maroochydore. Yeah, so Maroochydore first year in the competition, um, so that's that's the first Sunshine Coast team that's entering, which is fantastic. For Queensland footy, it gives those girls a, a great pathway, um, and there's some talented footballs up footballers coming. Uh, into the competition from up north. Um, they pick up Shannon Campbell, who was uh, played fullback for the Lions this year. Um, so she'll be their only uh, Lions-listed player. Um, but she uh, she's a good player, was at Wilson Grange, um, but moved back home to Sunshine Coast. So it gives players like Shannon um, the ability to stay in Sunshine Coast instead of having to move to Brisbane to play at the top level. Um, I think Maroochydore are quite a young side. They have a lot of girls in the under 18s um, playing for them. Um, I think they will. They might take a little bit of time. Um, I, I think. I think they could find the, the physicality of it a bit. Um, a bit of a step up from Division Two, which they've come up from. Um, I, I definitely think they'll develop over the year. Um, I do expect them to. Um, uh, not necessarily struggle at times, but I think they'll definitely have some some lessons to to be learned along the way. But um, but yeah, they'll they'll definitely improve, and they got some great talent footballers, and I, I think they're making some good steps. Silmiri Eagles uh, hosting Coolangatta Tweed. This will be an interesting game because normally you'd give uh, Cooley the favouritism, but both sides missing a few star players, who of course are Lions players, not ready to come back yet from the AFLW season break. Yeah, so, and, and sorry, just before, the UQ, I, I think UQ, um, I think they picked up some really good juniors as well. I think they'll be, they'll, they have a, a building quite a good list. They, I think from reports, they've lost Emma Zilke, who we all know quite well, and, um, you know, ex-Victorian, but um, I, I think that UQ will be, have the tools to be a strong side again this year. Um, Zilmir and uh, Cooley, I, I agree. Um, I mean, obviously knowing what Cooley has, um, and what what sort of they've they might be missing and what they picked up, uh, I still expect them um, to be very very strong sides this year. Um, I, I think not sure about Zuma. I think they're going through a bit of a rebuilding phase at the moment. Um, but obviously, as you as you're aware, 
Um, both sides missing some players until Easter through AFLW um, could make the first few rounds very interesting, Peter. Absolutely, and I think it happens across. I mean, WAWFL is uh, underway at the moment, so with uh, AFL Sydney that's kicked off, that these sides, um, what do they call middle-of-the-table sides who would normally think to be struggling against the top teams, with the top teams missing out on star players at the moment due to the um, uh, those players having a break, it's the opportunity to uh, uh, pick up a few cheap points along the way and, and set themselves up for later in the year. Yeah, exactly right. Um, it's gonna, it is going to be very interesting. Um, I think it can and probably will in some some ways or not um, have an effect on even where teams might even sit on the ladder as well. Um, so I, I do expect, yeah, some of those sides to perhaps coolly. I'm expecting them to probably have a slightly slower start um, than what they might have had the last two years, for example. Um, but, yeah, it should, should definitely going to be interesting. And depending on some of those girls you know, that it may have picked up injuries from AFLW or might even be wanting more time off than what... The, the Lions are giving them as well. So, yeah, that, that could definitely have some bearing on, on the season at club level. And, of course, you're on the South Brisbane Devils with the bye. Just from your point of view, who are probably some of the players who, who are a bit unlucky to miss out on, on getting into the Lions squad this year that you think will be players to keep an eye on in the QWAFL season and hopefully push again for a, for a spot in 2018? Yeah, look, big, that's, that's a big call. I... I I definitely think um, we'll start to see influx of youth now. Um, it's definitely an area that you know we've been working on in Queensland over the last couple of years, and obviously Stafford knows a lot of these girls quite well. Um, you know, he, he, being the Queensland Academy um, coach uh, manager over the last few years, he's you know very familiar with these players and had dealings with with them, um, and you know knows what they're capable of and been able to see their improvement over the last few years. So I know a few of them in particular, he's, they're probably probably sweating on um, to be able to get them in, in and blood them into this AFL women's competition. So um, there's excuse me, a few in particular um, coming through that are just too young this year, but over the next few years, Ariana Clark, um, a, uh, a Cooley player as well, I had dealings with, um, Kalinda, Ruby, um, all very talented girls down the coast, a few up in Brisbane as well that, uh, that are definitely going to be put, putting their hand up and you know, forcing a few of these girls that are at the, um, the experienced end of the, the age bracket um, a bit of a run for their money over the coming year. So um, it will, will be very interesting, but I definitely look out for a lot, of the, a lot of the youth girls that are sort of pushing through the last two or three years that are now hitting that uh, 18, 19, um, 20, 20-year-old bracket. Um, there's also a few girls that are from other codes as well, who I think are yeah going to be going to be putting their hand up uh, possibly as well as they um, come back and get in- involved. Well, Aaron, thank you very much for joining us here on Girls Play Footy, and uh, we look forward to catching up with you throughout uh, the QWAFL season. No worries. Thanks for having me, Peter. Well, that almost wraps things up here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Before I go, just a quick reminder, we've got an article at the moment on the girlsplayfooty.com website uh, looking for volunteers to join the radio side of things here at Girls Play Footy. Uh, first of all, for those outside of Victoria, we're looking for reporters. Uh, that is just you as an individual who might have five minutes spare every week, either on a Sunday, Monday or Tuesday evening, to be able to have a chat on the phone, have a chat on the podcast and uh, talk about that week's uh, 
results, whether it be in the WA Women's Football League, whether it be in the, the Adelaide Footy Competition, Canberra, Sydney, Brisbane. Uh, we'd love to have a reporter who can give us the lowdown on what's happening there in that competitions. And uh, also, as well in Victoria, we're looking for those that might be interested in doing play-by-play commentary, um, special comments, boundary writing, or maybe even perhaps around the grounds. Uh, we are looking for people to give it a go. As I said, it's all on a volunteer basis because we're all volunteers here at girlsplayfooty.com. Just go to our website and click on the contact page and, uh, yeah, send us an email. We'd certainly love to hear from you. And, of course, as I go, quick and run, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Just search for Girls Play Footy. And, of course, don't forget the radio version of this program is on Wednesday evening, 6.15pm on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company, and it's bye for now.